Welcome back to the Buffalo Bread Podcast. I'm your host, JJ. With me, as always, is Dan, and we are in off-season mode, uh, as you, are, I'm sure, are aware. The uh, the NFL honors happened last night. We can talk briefly about some of those, um, because they do have impact on some of the Bills players. Uh, but we'll also be getting into some of our off-season stuff. On the docket today, we have a look back at a fantasy reality where uh, Brandon Bean hits on all of the best draft picks and trades. Um, we also have a look forward into some of our off-season targets and free agency and some places where we hope that maybe um, the front office at One Bills Drive will uh, will target in order to get us ready for the draft. Because as we know, Big Baller Bean doesn't like to go into a draft with massive glaring holes that force his hand with his picks. How are we feeling, Dan? Are you ready to get started? I'm ready to jump in, man. I'm so ready for off-season mode. It's not even funny at this point. What Super Bowl, man? Give me the draft. Just bring it on. Bring it all on at this point. There's a football game this weekend? Listen, I, stop. I know there's a reason for me to drink bourbon still, and eat sliders, but it still I wasn't hurts. sure. Yeah. Uh, the reason to drink bourbon and eat sliders is any day that ends in Y, my friend. You don't like need that. another Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl to, to ring in that occasion. <laughs> but yeah, man, I want let, let's hit it right off the bat here. So I think the way we've got this laid out is, is a lot of fun. So this week, as you said, we're going to take care of free agency targets. Next week, we're going to start to set the table and the draft, knowing that these draft priorities that we're aligning with are probably going to change based on what the bills do in free agency, as limited as their cap space is. And then we're going to hit this alternate fantasy draft universe where, and I think what is inargu- inarguably the, the uh, Brandon Bean lean draft years, from 2019 to 2021, we're going to revisit those and see if there's not a Super Bowl contender we can pick from the memory of those remains. It's going to be a lot of fun, dude. I'm stoked. But why don't we jump right in with free agency? So JJ, why don't you set the table for everybody listening here? What do you think are going to be the top priorities the Bills target position-wise in free agency? And what are some of the guys you think cap restrictions being the big context they're going to target? So I, I believe the uh, really to set the table, it's four positions. It's wide receiver, safety, defensive tackle, defensive end. So the biggest hole on the Bills roster at present is on the defensive line. You want to have about you know eight to ten guys on your fifty-three man roster in the tackles and ends. Um, and the Bills currently have like, I think four or five. So Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, uh, Kingsley, Jonathan, Cameron Klein, Von Miller. And Ely Anku are the existing, and, and you may recognize Cameron Klein, Ely Anku, Kingsley Jonathan. None of those I would consider kind of tier one starting caliber players at this point in their career. That doesn't mean they don't have the potential. And I, I know we both have liked what we've seen from Kingsley Jonathan. We both have liked what we've seen from Ely Anku um, and different spot starts. The Bills also like those players because they were um, pilfered off of the practice squad at different times. And the Bills have made efforts to get them back. And so... There may be expanded snaps there, but uh, I was listening, I think it was the cover one guys quantified exactly what the Bills have lost on the defensive line, and it's like 67% of total snaps are currently not under contract from this past year. So That is that is correct, yeah, yes. Yeah. So with that snap share missing, they're going to need to do some work. So I think defensive line is absolutely a number one, the most important need. Um, followed by safety, and then followed by a wide receiver. And I think I see, I see wide receiver as fourth because the Bills have Stephon Diggs. They have Khalil Shakur. They have Dalton Kincaid. 
they have James Cook. They have at least four premium targets in that, you know, in the skill positions that they can work with. They just need some role players. The problem with wide receiver, and I think it also extends to defensive end, is for a premier starter, you're going to have to pay massive, massive, 20 plus million per year. They do not have that. They're negative 53 million. They're probably going to get up to positive 20 million, I think, with some restructures and things we've talked about. And so what we're really going into free agency with is a bag of about $10 million that they could use because they like to keep 10 or 11 for rookies and uh, in-season signings. And so what we'll see is probably three or four vet minimum deals uh, and then one, maybe one big-time deal at one of these four positions. And so that's kind of where we're at. Um, I'm going to start with what I think is the most um, – probably the easiest position to get a starter in, uh, in free agency. And that's at safety. And if you're looking at the roster right now, Jordan Porter is under contract. They're probably going to ask him to take a pay cut or restructure. Um, probably not wanting to restructure given his injury history and age. Uh, you don't want to push things down the line with him and asking him for a pay, pay cut. I think anybody who's paid any attention to his social media over the years, since he's been a bill knows he's a very prideful man. Uh, it's, it's unlikely that that conversation would go very well uh, unless they, you know, restructured in a way where like the, the contract was in laden incentives um, that he could make more money because the, the likelihood of them going with their hand out and be like, Joe or Poe, we need money back <laughs> and him be already coming into this year disappointed in the way the contracts shook out for him in free agency. Um, may, that may not go well. But um, starting there, I think that the reason that we have Poback is exactly the reason that the Bills can get a starting safety this offseason. It's an undervalued position. Um, it's declined over the years in kind of splash signing. So unless you're a top 10 in the league safety, you're not going to break $10 million a year, almost you know, invariably. And the numbers 11 through probably 25 in the league are going to play between $5 million a year and $10 million a year. Um, and so I think the Bills have enough money to get somebody in that kind of $5 million per year um, deal if they want to plug that hole and have somebody alongside, alongside Poe. And they really want to have somebody who is um, a free safety because that's the position we're missing right now. Poe can play all positions, but his athleticism, he never had elite athleticism, but he's taken a step back from that already. As Anybody who watched the season can tell you he was kind of lagging on some things. So um, they really need a free safety, somebody to patrol the deep middle when they're in one high, somebody to kind of cover their their half um, and maybe even help out and shade to, to a two-thirds coverage when they split the back end. And I see that as here are my here are my targets uh, for that free safety position. Alohi Gilman uh, from the Chargers, young safety. Uh, he's a ball hawk and kind of a punch-out specialist. He had three forced fumbles, two interceptions. Has had, uh, you know, missed some games here and there, but is that kind of deep third, has sufficient athleticism, could be had for probably five to seven million per year. Get him on a one or two two year deal. Um, that's a good that's a good target for me. Julian Blackman, a little bit more. He's a strong he's a strong safety in use usage and by title, but I think he has free safety chops. I think he has the athleticism needed to play that deep third. Um, and he's out of Indianapolis. He's twenty five. Six to eight million dollars per year. The thing I like about Julian Blackman is he's not an elite athlete, but he's got athleticism. He is an elite tackler. He does not have a high missed tackle rate. And I think that, you know, Sean McDermott um, and 
Bobby Babbage looking at him are going to say that's that's a guy that can play the Sean McDermott defense. Definitely good in run support, definitely comes up. And the reason I say he's been played out of position is that he's been kind of strong safety uh, pigeonholed for the last couple seasons, playing a lot more down in the box. But I think he has the capacity to kind of drop back. Um, and so those are kind of that five to seven, five to eight million dollars. Jeremy Chin out of Carolina, safety, no free, no no strong kind of designation because he's we loved him coming out in the draft a few years back because he's sort of that like utility tool can do anything player um, and has kind of fallen off a little bit, had some injuries, some inconsistent play, but I think a reclamation project for sure, maybe on the lower end of five to five to six million. Um, and he has some pass rush skills, which I think is is a cool cons- concept here, and especially with the way that Sean McDermott has liked to call the defense this past season, seeing some DB pass rush. Um, so those are my kind of three realistic. My like top top dream signing though is Xavier McKinney from the New York Giants. He has been great in the box, great in coverage, excellent tackler. This is going to be his big you know big signing. He's only 24, um, and you'll notice a. Uh, clear um definition of my players none of them is over 25 years old um well I've Alohi Gilman, yeah, yeah Alohi Gilman and Jeremy Chen are just 26 they just turned 26 so they were 25 um when the list that I was looking at were made up but I was targeting young because I'm looking for a two to three year contract so the bills can structure it in a way where they don't have a massive cap hit but they are getting paid and it is in- incentivized for them to come to Buffalo um and so yeah that's that's what I see and really, in this offseason, that's what I would like to – I would like Brandon Bean to get done is to go into the draft knowing you have Poyer on the last year of his deal and want, and a reasonable starter so that anyone you sign, even if you get a first-round you know, first round talent, even if you get a Cameron uh, – who's the uh, – Cameron Kitchens? Kitchens out of Miami, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who, you know, they just happened to hire the DB coach from Miami. I don't know. Strange coincidence. Um, <laughs> so – We'll see how that shakes out. But even if you get somebody who's kind of a top-end talent and let them compete with one of these guys, worst-case scenario, you have a high-end rookie as your third best. And best-case scenario, you have a high-end rookie who beats out Poyer or the or the other signing, and then you know, you're know you good with depth. And I, I like that strategy going into this year's draft, JJ, because this is something that Bean and McDermott haven't done a whole lot of. They've really prioritized, as we have talked, ad nauseum veteran contracts that are for the most part affordable uh usually mid-tier and up but they've been hesitant to bring in a lot of rookie competition at some of those other positions i would actually like to see them and i think safety is a position that they are more likely to try to strike something up in free agency i would still like them to come in on the back end in the draft and also draft a high-end rookie prospect as well i think it's fine at this stage of where the bills are with their cap if they're investing a little bit of mid-tier to lower-tier veteran money in a position, but if they f- if they hit the contracts in the right way, they have enough uh, wiggle room to get out of a contract after one or two years, I still think that leaves them room to bring in a, a rookie that's under cheaper contract con- contract control at one of these positions. Um, this may or may not surprise you. I had the exact same top three realistic targets for my safety, my safety uh, picks as well. And free agency. I really like Jeremy Chen. To me, this feels like a potential do-over that we could could nab him when we coveted him in the draft so much. His usage in Carolina, especially towards the end of the season, though, became really interesting because they really used him more 
like we started to use Jordan Poyer. They use Chin a lot more on the box, but I agree with you. I do think he's got some great um, free safety coverage skills that for whatever reason, I don't know if it was injury, I don't know if it was the transition yet again that the Panthers went through in coaching regimes and all that kind of stuff. Chin's usage to me was a duplication of what the Bills are doing with Poyer. And the caveat I put under signing Chin is if you're going to sign Chin, that feels like a move you make if you're going to part ways with Poyer, which again, I think I'm comfortable with. But but Chin for sure is my guy. And JJ, I'm also not against uh, bringing back Taylor Rapp on an affordable contract as well. He had that same sort of uh, reputation coming to the Bills that he was really more of a box safety. He really can't play center field. Like coverage skills are limited. But he really excelled in those moments where he had to fill in for Micah Hyde in that very role. His versatility to me uh, is enough to give him maybe a two-year deal, see if he's willing to come back to the team on something that's a little bit cheaper. Then you've got a presence coming back that is familiar with the scheme, and that really frees you up to, to part ways, I think, and hopefully amicably, with Jordan Poyer, who again has been a warrior for this team, and, but then address that strong safety chess piece position more in the draft. Because there's going to be kids that we're going to talk about in the draft that really would fit well in that mobile, versatile piece that they started using Poyer in towards the, towards the end here. Like Cooper DeJean is one of those guys who I've got targeted. Cam Kitchens as well. But there's definitely going to be some opportunity that if you bring in Rap back on an affordable team-friendly deal, that gives you some room to play around it, play around with Jordan Poyer's replacement for sure. Yeah, and I think kind of one last note, I agree completely on bringing back Taylor Rapp, and I think that he could provide what you said as continuity to a younger and to a to a new free agent addition. Um, and I'll kind of close the safety, you know, free agency conversation with this. Um, this is the most likely path to a starter in free agency of all the positions we're going to talk about. Agreed. Period. Just because like, of the, the affordability the and the, the cap situation yep. the Bills are, for sure. Yep any of the other positions we're talking about it's going to be hard to get somebody who's not a third or fourth best on your roster um at the money the bills will have to spend and so i think that we'll we'll move on to um i think we'll move on to wide receiver um i've got a i've got a few and this is like the the cost is so you know but i'll kind of run through them quickly um they need two to three bodies just to round out their roster because they like to go into training camp with seven or eight you know wide receivers they uh, brought KJ Hamler, who was really electric out of was it Penn State or Pitt? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was in Pitt. Pitt, yeah. I'll look, um, I'll look it up. But I want to yeah. say it was Pitt. So yeah. they brought KJ Hamler onto the practice squad as a re- uh, reserve future signing, who was you know sort of that electric ball in his hands kind of talent, um, who has had a complete bust of a NFL career to this point, mostly because of injury, um, injury issues. Um, I think they Penn State. Okay, Penn State, yeah. I knew it was one of those two. Um, and so uh, fans of the teams he's played for have called him KJ Hamstring um, because that's the problems. A lot of lower body stuff. Uh, but we'll see what the Bills can get out of him. But you know, be, beyond that, in free agency, again, I targeted younger players. I'm going to kind of run through the list. Noah Brown out of Houston uh, would be my high mo- higher money guy. Quality possession style receiver with a little bit of juice and speed. Um, had a decent year, especially after Tank Dell went down uh, in Houston. And so there's one one player, um, LaVisca Chenault out of Carolina, 25. 
He's probably yours. Yeah, you're nodding. Yep, uh, I've got him on my list. Yep. Yeah, and he's got he's in that kind of three to five million per year, maybe you know up up to seven if if that. Uh, Devon Duvernay out of Baltimore, a little bit more money, uh, more proven track record, more proven playoff appearances, but a solid guy, definitely a wide receiver three. Donovan Peoples Jones, twenty five out of Detroit, two two to four million per year could be had. Um, and again, these are all like your third string. You know, we cannot get a wide receiver one or two opposite. Yeah, T. Stephon Higgins, Diggs. Mike yeah. Evans. Nope. These these are not Curtis Samuel. Yeah. I would even put Tyler Boyd. Tyler in there. Boyd. Yeah, these are not names no. that are coming to the Bills. Yeah, none of those are coming. Yeah, um, who's the guy out of uh, Indy that's that's awesome too? Mike, Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna tag him though, and yeah. and that's the again the caveat around a lot of this. Yeah. Some of these higher end guys, they're going to get the tag, yeah. you know, so teams can extend that window to renegotiate. So, yep. and then my last one is is Nick Westbrook out of Tennessee, 27, has had kind of an up and down career, can do some things. I'm not excited about any of these players like I am the safeties, right? Like none of these players I look at if the Bills, if the, the signing shows up tomorrow, I don't look at any of these except for maybe like Noah Brown, Paris Campbell, and LaVisca Chenault. And say, I think the Bills got, you know, substantially or reasonably better, unless it's one of those three in, in free agency. I think that the path for the Buffalo Bills in the wide receiver room is the draft. It's a great draft class. Multiple, multiple stabs take two or three in this in this draft. Absolutely. And and there is not a lot in free agency that is w- going to be within the Bills price range that is going to fill the real need that they have, which is like a true X receiver, a guy who can line up one-on-one on on the outside, opposite of Stephon Diggs, win his matchups with routes, speed, uh, winning at the point of catch, body positioning, um, the whole nine, tracking ability. They don't have that complete of a wide receiver other than Diggs on the roster right now. They've got a lot of guys who can win horizontally, and that's what you really have here in the wide receiver free agency class is a lot of guys who... Outside of the top end, we are not talking about Mike Evans. We're not talking about T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, any of those guys. What you have after that top tier in the drop-off is a lot of guys that are duplicating skill sets that the Bills have. So th- this made this really difficult for me. I I, I had Chenault as one of mine. I also had, um, oh, who's the kid? Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown okay. uh, in free agency as well. Just for the speed dynamic, just the for drops. the drops. I don't I, want somebody who has more drops than than, than Gabe, Gabe Davis. Davis. Yeah. I know, I know. He he brings, and he it feels like at times he only brings speed to the equation, and I yes. get that. I get that. But the Bills need that change of pace. I know they've got Andy Isabella still. If Hamler is healthy, maybe he can be that. But they just need a dude on the field at times. The defenses have to respect the ability to take the top off of it. And he's going to come in at a contract that I feel like is going to be affordable, flexible for the team. And to me, he's more of like a let's catch lightning in a bottle with this kid because he's still only 26. He's going to turn 27 in season and he would come in and immediately be the fastest player, I think, on the Bills. So I had Chenault, I had Brown, and I had Van Jefferson as well. Okay, Van, Van Jefferson, and it's not because of anything I love about Van Jefferson. I think he's a very professional wide receiver that does a lot of things good. And that is the type of wide receiver I feel like the Bills are more likely to target to to round out the room than anybody else. Out of everybody we named, I feel like Van Jefferson 
probably has the best shot to actually sign a contract with the Bills and end up on the team. Reason, probably a reasonable contract. He's a he's a somewhat larger body, so definitely has some blocking chops. Um, exactly. Who he, was he at? Uh, he was at. Um, he was Chargers. In, he was in. I want to say he's bounced around a little bit. He was with. I think he was with the Rams, and okay. then went to the Falcons. I want to say. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, so, and he's he's yeah. basically, if you don't bring back Sherfield, he is your Trent Sherfield replacement. And the right. Bills have coveted that body type and that skill set on the roster for a really long time. Sure. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think that's the kind of thing where, um, you know, that's that's what we're talking about here is like anyone who's like, oh, they need to get, you know, Michael Pittman. It's just like, that's not in the cards, people. It's not. Even a Kelvin Ridley is not in the cards. Now, yeah. now here here is a universe where maybe a Kelvin Ridley or a DJ Shark or a, I would even put Kendrick Bourne in that category where some of those second tier guys that might get larger than they deserve paydays. The market for the top end wide receivers, I think, is going to play out in the 16 to 20 million dollar range. I think after that top tier, a lot of teams are really going to consider, given the depth of the draft class, whether or not it is worth it to splash on a guy like Kendrick Bourne, DJ Shark, um, you know, even like a Nelson Aguilar or something like that. Right. And that might drive the price down of some of those tier two options to maybe the bills can splash around with a higher end talent for a more reasonable contract. But outside of teams making that decision and the market correcting where the wide receiver pay range is right now, I, I think what we have talked about are probably where the bills are going to be in free agency. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that, you know, this, this is now where I like to say, you know, buckle up bills mafia. We're about to get into some really disappointing discourse regarding the defensive line. <laughs> This is a hard this, this is a hard time to beat to need this many defensive linemen. Which I mean, as we get into draft preview, I know every everyone in Bills Mafia wants Bills to go wide receiver in round one this year. I can tell you the more I think about it, I am almost certain it is not gonna happen. Yeah. They're gonna go defensive line and that's gonna yep. absolutely infuriate Bills Mafia. Yeah. X is going to be just on fire. With oh my God. hashtag Bills Mafia talk on the first night of the draft when at 28, the Buffalo Bills select defensive tackle Devondre Swift uh, or Dev- Devondre Sweat. Sweat out Sweat. of Texas. 6'4", 362. Oh, did you see him in the, in the oh senior? Oh my God. He, he's looking like he's more like 380. Yeah. Like he, well, he's closer to 400 than he is 350. I, I, saw, I saw him fold a 313-pound person in in half backwards the wrong way like that man's poor back as he just rolled over him so here's the thing with all the juice that he's got he's gonna go probably so byron murphy the second out of texas is considered a top 10 talent that's what i really want to fall to us i love that i love that really oh Oh, we have we're gonna depart so hard on him i think he's i think he's a bum i think think he's byron murphy is i think he's a bum oh this is gonna be draft time is gonna be so much i think he's gonna be he's gonna be a huge bust you just you just want Daquan Jones back so bad. There it is. I do. Yeah, we're gonna double depart in this. No, pod. I I will literally I will. Daquan Jones can can like literally walk tomorrow if they draft Tavondre Sweat because that dude is he is like the he's the reincarnation. I know Ted Washington's still alive. He's the reincarnation of Ted say, Washington. Who are you killing in on the this NFL? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. So, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Oh my God, I love this. Anyway, I'm going to love the D-line discourse. Go ahead, go ahead. So we're going to hit it. Um, so anyway, DT, we'll start with defensive tackles. Um, I've got, a, it's really short, man. Like, it, to be honest, when we talk about DTs, you know, Daquan Jones signing back is probably a, it's a reasonable contract. He he had an injury riddled season. Other teams might see that and, and his value might go down. And in that world, you have somebody who, you know, plays capably next to Ed Oliver, who looked good coming on late in the, in the playoff run. He and Ed Oliver did not have enough push in the KC game. Of course, like we, we've already talked about that. Um, but I, you just desperately need bodies. And if you can get somebody who knows the system and who you know is a capable starter, is liked in the locker room, that's, there's value there. And that's the only reason I'm talking to Quan Jones, is because when you look at the whole field, he's one of the youngest players that's within the Bills' price range. They're not getting any younger than Daquan Jones unless they're willing to go over $10 million a year, um, except for maybe Maurice Hurst. So, but he's more of a three-tech interior pass rusher and was ranked by uh, PFF as like the 13th best DT with the pass rush. So he's a backup Ted Oliver. He's not a, you know, he's the Tim Settle role, the Jordan Phillips role. He's not a a one-tech. As far as one-techs, Shelby Harris and Fletcher Cox, both old, you know, defensive tackles. I'd rather have Jones back at that point. That's what I'm saying. End of list. I just, I looked through all of the possible contracts and that is my list. And Daquan Jones sits strongly at the top, like far and away better than any of them. And to find a one-tech, I mean... I will say I didn't scour people's practice squads and undrafted free agent lists and things like that for like who they because they're just going to need bodies. Correct. And, and it, it, that might be the way that they get it done other than the draft is with somebody who's like a practice squad or unsigned player that, you know, is a big body. But it's like, um, I mean, I don't know if it's Steve Task or Chris Brown. Somebody on One Bills Live always talks about how the player – the individuals that go six five three thirty and can move like a cheetah, they don't exist in you know on practice squads or sitting out there on exactly. unsigned lists. Like they are such unique unicorns that they're on rosters. And so for the Bills to find that, I think it has to be through the draft because it's just not you know it's not there's nothing out there. I don't know if you found anyone else. I I found some backup worthy guys that I would like to take a shot on, but again. One tech, you're right, is absolutely light. Um, And that's really what we're talking about, trying to replace if we don't re-sign Jones. I'm going to be firm on this, though. I really want the Bills to address one tech in the draft. I think there's a lot of the three tech, quick first step pass rush guys that make this a deeper than expected defensive tackle draft. So those one techs are a bit of a unicorn this year in the draft. But there will be guys within striking distance as we get into the draft preview for the Bills to go with. So free agency, I really do just look more at bodies to fill out the roster, similar to safety, so that the Bills can bring in a high-end rookie with a day one or day two pick to help challenge for some of those positions. So first off, I've got uh, from the Houston Texans. Oh, hang on. I just lost him. I was about to give him a great intro for a name that probably no one on this, no one on this pod will know. Um, Hassan Ridgeway. So he's 26 right now. Um, not a, purely a backup player for the Houston Texans. 6'3", 305, has some one-tech versatility. They moved him around that line in a purely backup position. 
limited limited reps um and he was on he finished the year i believe on ir i want to say so i think um he is someone who's going to be it was an achilles tear i want to say that happened with him very early on in the season so he is a cheaper contract one year coming off an injury that you can use as kind of like a get back right he can have a, a get right year with the bills as long as he is recovering from that injury and in the right way um and he's got enough youth He's got enough youth in his career to where hopefully, you know, that can happen. But I think the last game that he recorded a tackle in prior to injury was back in November. So with the way Achilles are repairing these days, he would be someone who would be back probably closer to two or three weeks into the start of the season. Sure. Um, and then beyond that, at defensive tackle, I, there wasn't a lot. Dude, I'm with you. Like, there's Kevin Givens, right, who I kind of had as a maybe on my list out of San Francisco. Um, again, more of like a, a three tech, but has some versatility in that San Francisco scheme, but purely a backup, purely a yep. backup at that point. So this is a position. And then you can go really old if you want to. You've got yeah. like oh, yeah. John Jenkins out of Las Vegas, yeah. right? You've got uh, Jonathan Hankins out of yep. Dallas, who's going to be kicking around. I think what is more likely to happen here is that the Bills are going to take a shot it's someone who on this list we would consider to be a little bit higher end, maybe like a Greg Gaines out of Tampa mm. Bay, right, to kind of solidify some things on the defensive line. But then in the second wave of free agency after the draft, you're going to see them go after some of these older vet minimum contracts. And I think they're going to do the same thing on edge too, like a Justin Houston type of deal, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's just tough. It's tough going on the defensive line. Like DJ Reader, uh, Chris Jones, I would even say Carl Lawson, not not possibilities right now mm -hmm. for the Bills on the defensive line any way that you want to cut it. So, um, God, even like a a Grover Stewart, who is <laughs> like if uh, Indy, right? Grover yeah, was, yeah. Grover Grover's was on Indy, right? He's 30. He's already 30. But he's I know. 10, 10 but, million a year probably. Oh, he's going he's gonna to easily yeah. be in the 10 to $12 million yeah. range, right? But it is incredible what some of these guys are going to be pulling down just yep. because of how light this market is. And again, this is going to be a draft that's going to be rich in three-tech pass rushers. But if you're looking for that one-tech run-stopper block eater, you're going to have to strike early in the draft if you yep. want to secure that position. Early, uh, early though, uh, plug for uh, Murphy, who I know we're going to disagree on in the draft. He is, even at 309, he is an elite run-stopper. And in the ACC, all those dudes do is run the ball, right? Yep. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, even though he's not that sweat body type, mm -hmm. um, he is a dude that can stop the run as and has some pass rush get off as well that I cannot wait to uh, to help to educate you on as we talk oh, about yeah. the draft. Oh yeah, yeah, no, we can talk all about that. We'll talk about all his elite get off and how much of what, the two games I watched of him he spent on the freaking ground because he has no contact balance. Anyway, um, we moving will, on. I can't wait. I, oh my God, this is going to be so much fun. So, this is going to be so much fun. I can't wait. Um, so, I will, so with DT, yeah. we agree, like, yeah. as long it's as barren. Daquan Jones is reasonable. Yeah. Which is always the caveat. I would prefer for them not to, but I also understand the situation that they're in with the bodies that they need here. So yeah. I don't want to overpay for Jones. No, no, no. And and I'm in the same. I, we do agree on that. Like, I do not want Daquan Jones for more than $5 million per year. I think he's earned a contract in that range. Um, given his experience in in this defense, but like anything more than that, I think is an overpay. And most places have him rated at between six and eight million yeah. per year. I'm not paying that for DeQuan Jones. If no. if that's what his market bears, somebody else can pay him that. 
No, I would rather pay. Um, oh God, who's the kid out of uh, who's the kid out of San Francisco? Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, I, Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, yeah I'd I'd rather yeah. give that kind of money to that kid, right? right? At least he's like three years young or five years younger, yes. right? Yep. So if you're going to splash it six or seven million a year, give it to someone with a little bit more youth and pop in their step. For sure. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. I think that if you're, you know, it's all about the money. It's all about the value for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one Which makes one this final, so hard right now. Yeah. One final plug for uh, for Maurice Hurst out of Cleveland. He he sort of had a similar track to uh, to Daquan Jones was like playing at a top 10, top 15 level as a penetrating three tech um, defensive tackle on that awesome Cleveland defense and probably could be had for two to $3 million per year, real cheap contract. Cause he went out with injury after 300 snaps and did not come back. And so, you know, they had to, I think they had to sign Shelby Harris to replace him. Um, and you're ended right. up, yeah. yeah. And so, right. and then, uh, I mentioned Fletcher Cox out of Philly. He's a well-known name. He's kind of on the decline in his career. Um, but also would be maybe nine or $10 million a year. So like one of those, like, we know the name, we know the production, great player, don't know that they have the money for it. Yeah, agreed. I agree. You so want to talk, you want to talk edge? Yeah. Let's wrap up the the free agent. And there's certainly other positions, right? There's tackle, linebacker. I think center is, is a consideration in the offseason, depending on Mitch Morse. Yeah, the, the Mitch Morse question yeah. is one that we're really going to dig into when we talk yeah. about salary cap. But we'll talk about that, you know, in a future episode, because we're going to finish with free agency for this episode with the defensive end. Um, again, they need bodies. They have Groot, uh, Von Miller, and Cameron Klein, uh, Kingsley Jonathan. So they have four DEs, but I would consider one of them starting caliber. And then Von is probably a, th- a three. Like he's probably yeah. your third best at this point in time. We'll see what, we, what kind of Von we get after a full offseason to recover. But I, I'm worried he's never coming back. And well, and and I, I assume your starting caliber guy is Groot, right? Greg Russo. Yes. And yes. I, listen, and he's I, a two. Right. I mean, that's the thing. You don't want him to be your bet. He is an elite run stopper. That dude, I would put him probably in the top five, even top three of edge run stoppers. But the combination of his lower body injuries and the frame that he is packing, I mean, I don't want to put the tag injury prone on Groot just yet, but if he is your number one pass rush option on any roster, I, I think you are a team that that is needs to really retool that. <laughs> that room. does not sack the quarterback without linebackers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, I, yeah. I just, why, so you, why don't you, you go you with go your first. names? Because because I've I've said my names, and you're like, yep, I got that one. Yep, I got that one. Why don't you lead me with your list? No, I'm I'm good with it because I'll I'll, I'll be honest with you. My list is AJ Epineza, and okay. that's it, yeah. right? So, and and reason why is I am hopeful that he will re-sign with the Bills. I think he's a guy that you want on this unit to add pop and depth in the pass rush game. Um, Because I think, because we are talking first wave free agency, I do not believe that there is anybody that can ascend to that like 40%, 50% snap share at the edge position with Miller and with Rousseau outside of Epineza that would be in the Bills price range. I think they go shopping for like bargain bin at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, like some of these guys that are have come out of like three, four defenses, but might be able to play a little bit in a four, three scheme. Um, like a Zach Bond out of New Orleans. I had as like a eh, maybe mm-hmm. in the first wave because the contract's probably only going to be two, maybe three million a year for somebody like him. Um, but outside of that, and AJ Epineza, I don't have a lot. I think the Bills 
like they did with Floyd last year, they're going to hit wave two of free agency after the draft, and they're going to go uh, veteran seeking for the edge yeah. this year. And I think they're going to, they've got a lot of picks in this year's draft. I think wide receiver is a double dip. I think edge is probably a double dip for them too. Uh, just may, may it work out better than the Basham Russo double dip of twenty of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you spent a first round pick and you got a top, an elite run defender with very limited pass rush juice. And I'm has injury I, yeah. problems. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing. The frame, dude. Like and the he, throwaway. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just the frame. A, and he, the, yeah. the injuries are lower body. Yeah. So for a guy with that frame trying to keep keep it up rep after rep, like lower body body injuries are usually a sign of bad things to come. Yeah. Yeah. So um I've actually only got one other younger edge. Who I could I would consider you know possible because he's probably going to be around the same money. If you're priced out of AJ Epineza, you might be able to get Andrew Van Ginkle for a little cheaper. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. he's decent. I mean, he we played against him with Miami. He was always in in Josh Allen's face when he was on the field. Um, juice juice pass rusher on the edge who gets absolutely bullied on rundowns. So like that's yeah. that's the problem is you're. He, you're looking at Andrew Van Ginkle as almost like a one he's of those high, yeah, yeah, he's like a hybrid OLB DE who is a situational pass rusher, um, and so you're not going to have he's not taking a bite out of that 67 percent snap share that they lost at right. edge. That's significant enough to really make any kind of difference, especially if you're paying more than three or four million dollars a year for him. And so, and he's young enough that somebody might pay him three years, six million, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, I do have, you know, Leonard Floyd, I think, is a consideration depending on his money. I think that his market, given how how he kind of disappeared in the latter stages of the season, his market might dip a little. And if they are bargain shopping and he's sitting out there after the draft, you know, if he's still out there after the draft pre-training camp, it might be somebody to say, hey, you want to come in for $2 million, you know. Um, but we'll see. He had another 10-sack-plus season, so... There's always people, there's always money out there for somebody who gets 10 sacks. So we'll see. What do you think of, because this guy has hopped around a little bit yeah. too. I mean, what do you think of Cleland Farrell taking a flyer on that dude? <laughs> like, I know. Was, wasn't he like picked fourth overall by the Raiders? fourth overall yeah. by the Raiders, overdrafted, yeah. not coached well, mm-hmm. moved on to San Francisco. No idea what interest San Francisco has in re-signing him at this point. But I mean, he, he's got the draft pedigree he's a kid entering his prime if you're going to lose epineza he almost immediately replaces that body type he is a project don't get me wrong he's a reclamation project to some extent but he's played better in the scheme that san francisco runs which is very similar to the the scheme that mcdermott wants to run too it i don't know what his market is going to look like Mm -hmm. but do we take a reclamation project like that and bank on the pedigree and add a little bit of youth to that room. I think, you know, I always cop out with this on this pod. Um, if the money's right, right? Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I, that's the that's, caveat on all yes, of this. Right? That's the thing is like, for some reason, the way the league is structured, the way the league works, being picked fourth overall is worth more money. You know, like it just is. Even late in your career, even when you're a clear draft bust, considering what you've done so far. Sometimes it equals more money because you do have some of those elite measurables. And so you can market them around to teams. Um, if the money's right, sure. I would say that only if the money, only if it's like a minimum vet minimum or slightly over vet minimum deal, because, and here's a big thing, 
one of the biggest worries I have for this offseason is with the massive turn, turnover at defensive tackle and defensive end, they don't have Eric Washington anymore, who I think is an excellent defensive line coach. He left for Chicago, and he took people with him. And so I worry about that that room. And, and they just signed – I forget who they just signed to the uh, defensive line coach position, but they have a new coach there. Um, we'll look that up for a future pod and talk about this offseason and training and those sorts of things. Um, but it's the kind of thing where – we knew the defensive line room was pretty strong with coaching, pretty strong with talent development. We don't know that for sure now, so projects kind of scare me a little bit, especially if there's any money involved. Yeah. It's almost got to be a defensive line, like a money ball approach. Yeah. Like, and I think you set it up perfectly. The percentage of snaps they need to replace, they need to bring in guys that can, yes, you want production. You want You want forced fumbles, you want sacks, you want um high tackle rates you want all those things right but you also just need to fill a snap share in a free agent market that is down this year so here's the argument for a guy like Farrell, right he's 26 going to be 27 next year has the draft pedigree of number one of a round one pick arguably had probably his best season of his career maybe say for like his rookie year which was also not great three and a half sacks on a 45 percent snap share for San Francisco, so played 465 snaps this year, 15 solo tackles, 13 assisted tackles, and one forced fumble. I would take I would take those numbers from a guy in a situational role that we were paying 3.5 to 4 million dollars a year for, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that you know, if we're like I said, if we're going bargain shopping, you know, um, DJ Wanham probably four or less million per year out mm-hmm. of Minnesota. Right. Um, young, 26, somebody you could kind of take a flyer on and be like, okay, we're going to give you 20% of the 30% of the snaps, you know, and you're a player that he's a six five two fifty eight. So he's like the bills, the bills have an archetype at edge and that's it. Von Miller was kind of an, that was a departure. I would also see, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle as a massive departure at edge for the oh, bills. For Cause sure. they, they like a somebody plus two two fifty or more who's six four or, or taller because they want to set the edge with that wingspan, and so I see you know Anthony Jennings uh, for five or million less formerly of the Patriots twenty six DJ Wanham uh, Darnell Taylor from Seattle as as a possibility six four two fifty you know like they're all kind of but the, none of them are going to provide you anything extremely you know going to provide you upside really like, right like somebody like Taquan lewis out of indianapolis somebody i really like if the bills are willing to spend six million on somebody and they lose they don't have aj coming back Taquan lewis is uh six three two sixty two seventy and he is has been well rated in terms of pass rush and run stopping so those are some names to think about as we go um anything else about the defensive end um, you could also maybe get some vet minimum deals on some like in- extremely old names that you might recognize, like Calais Campbell, Brandon Graham. They're probably both going to be less than three million, but and somebody who's who you know knows what to do, right? And the, and these are exactly the type of guys who, after the draft, will be unsigned. And this is when Brandon Bean will come knocking. Like, do you mm-hmm. do you want to take a flyer for two and a half million on a one year, right? And play with a competitor because that's the other thing is that the Bills have a carrot. In, in the free agency pool that they never had through the drought, which is, do you want to play with a team that's going to be there in the last eight of the of the season? Exactly. Exactly, for sure. Yeah. So, so we'll see. And there are guys that will absolutely do that. And these veteran dudes 
like Leonard Floyd, Campbell, they want to pick their spots. They want to get paid, but they want to yeah. pick their spots also at the stage of the career. They don't want to waste the limited amount of years they have, like not contending. They're ring chasing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if, so if Kansas City or San Francisco doesn't call, then the Bills are probably up there. There you go. It's got to yeah. be, right? It's yeah. got to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. No, it's going to be, it's probably going to be an uneventful. I'd love to be surprised, but it, it's going to be an uneventful free agency for the Bills. They're going to stabilize some rooms, raise the floor talent-wise in some of these rooms, but no no big splashes. No big splashes this offseason, I think. All right, man. You want to transition to our alternate draft universe? Yes, absolutely. All right. So just to, just to give folks an idea of where JJ and I have been at with draft prep, um, I am an anti-mock draft guy until free agency hits. I just don't think there's a lot of utility in doing them because free agency is going to reset so many needs for so many teams to where all of these mock drafts that we're seeing on The Athletic and The Ringer and ESPN they're going to change wildly based off of that. So in my draft prep, I started going through what the Bills' needs were going to be this year, try to like extrapolate where I thought the their actual needs in the draft would land after free agency. And then it just got me thinking because I was going back and I was looking at the holes on the roster. And this whole experiment started with, why haven't we been drafting more defensive tackles outside of Ed Oliver? And this whole thing, JJ, started with that text that I sent you that we hadn't drafted a defensive tackle to this unit since Ed Oliver. And then I started pulling other playoff contenders. The Chiefs in that same time span had drafted five. The Steelers had drafted seven, right? The Eagles had drafted four. I'm like, what was going on with the Bills? And then I started looking back at some of their draft history. And I think, JJ, you and other members of Bills Mafia would agree that 2019 to 2021 were maybe the leanest draft years in the Brandon Bean era. 17 was before Bean got there, but that was McDermott's first full draft, and his fingerprints were all over that. 18, uh, I think an indisputable hit. I think 22 and 23, the Bills got some viable starters out of those two drafts. But that three-year gap where the Bills were spending on on mid-tier to higher-priced free agency talent, I just couldn't wrap my brain around why so many needs that we have now were not addressed back then. So I went back and I looked at 2019 and 2021, and I decided to do an experiment. I decided to do the Brandon Bean alternate draft universe. Here are the rules that went with that. This is not a typical, let's go back and redraft everybody from the year, because you're starting to see a lot of those come up with the 2023 draft class. And everyone who has Puka Nakua is like the number four pick. That's not realistic, right? Of course, with full hindsight, we know Puka Nakua probably goes in the first round if we know the type of production he has uh, this year. So I tried to limit hindsight as much as I possibly could. So when I went and redrafted, I stayed within the round that players were picked in. So if I picked a player that was different than what Bean picked as part of this experiment, I picked another guy who was taken in that round after the player being really drafted was taken. And I did that because like at that point, there was usually a lot of consensus on boards of where, of where guys fit within the draft rounds. And I wanted to stick with that reality at the time as much as, as much as I possibly could. Right. This also assumes a couple of things. One, Josh Allen still ascends in the way that he ascended, still has his breakout year in 2020. 
And this also assumes that Sean McDermott all of a sudden became willing to play rookies. All right. Which is the, the big assumption, which is the biggest assumption out of this whole thing. But it was a really fun exercise to do this alternate draft universe. And you can see how if just a couple of things went differently, how this sets up the Bills roster in such a different way right now. So, JJ, are you ready to go through 2019, 2020, and 2021, the alternate Bills draft universe? Let's let's jump in our alternate universe machine and make it happen. All right, man. So 2019, round one, the pick was Ed Oliver at defensive tackle. I didn't change it. I think, and especially moving on and moving forward, where you see where the Bills were slotted to draft year after year, there were not a lot of viable defensive tackle pieces that they could have drafted to supplement Oliver at that point. So I keep Oliver here at defensive tackle, knowing that later on down the road, it's going to be harder and harder to draft for that three-tech position. Round two, 2019, Cody Ford, your favorite uh, offensive tackle slash offensive guard ever selected in Bill's history. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about Cody Ford. He was a, uh, it's like, I don't, yeah. I mean, I probably would have drafted him in the second round too, but it's the kind of thing where somebody sometimes traits don't equal talent. Agreed. Or work ethic, right? Like sometimes they say the right things in the interviews and make you believe, and then you get them in the, the facility and they're always injured or they just don't ever take that step. Yep, yep, absolutely. We might be seeing some of that with Kyer Elam based on some of his, his yep. tweets and posts recently, but yeah. So here's the pick that I make here. I do it with the philosophy of, you are the Bills. You've got this rookie QB. Yes, in free agency at this point, you've already professionalized the wide receiver room. You've got Cole Beasley. You've got John Brown. You're bringing in reliable targets for him. But I decided here that the move was to go wide receiver, and I go A.J. Brown. For those of you who don't remember A.J. Brown's rookie season, he was a man on fire with Tennessee. He had over 1,000 receiving yards and eight TDs on about 85 receptions in his first year with Tennessee. This gives Josh Allen a young number one wide receiver target that also resets the domino line as a result of that for how the Bills would approach future drafts in this alternate draft scenario. Round three, Devin Singletary was the real pick. I stuck with Singletary. Like the Bills needed to do something in the running back room. And in round three, there was nothing better between there and when the Bills made their next pick, which was in 2019 Dawson Knox. This might be the most controversial move that I made because philosophically at the time, the, the, uh, the book on young QBs is that they needed a big tight end to chew up receptions in the middle of the field to give them a safety net. And after bringing in Brown and Beasley and free agency, the Bills were looking for that safety net in 2019. And they decided to draft Dawson Knox, someone who could grow up potentially as a pass catcher with Josh Allen. I didn't do that. I went with Connor McGovern, the current Connor McGovern, who is on the team, thinking to the future with a lot of veteran-laden pieces on this offensive line that they needed to add a little bit of youth at that point. So I go Connor McGovern on the offensive line. Any any notes for me so far, JJ? Um, no, I love it, and I think that part of the part of the hatred on Dawson Knox is that his contract at fourteen million dollar per year hit is so much higher than his product productivity. And he's got, he's had drops and he's been injured. I still don't think he's a bad tight end. I think he's a good tight end, but he's definitely not worth the money. And he's been a pretty massive disappointment on his availability. So, yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I love that you kept Oliver and Singletary because I think you're right. To be true to this experiment, you have to kind of stay in the mind state of that roster at that time. 
and they had a top ten or top eleven pick for Oliver. And they, yeah, he was number nine. Yeah, number nine. And they um, did need a young running back because the only person in the in the room after they let go, go of LaShawn McCoy was Frank Gore. So right. they needed somebody. They needed to reset the table there. And going young makes a lot of makes a lot of sense as opposed to sinking cap into a vet. And you're never, ever, ever going to get any sort of opposition from me for picking offensive line in the first four rounds. I know. Ever. You're you're going to love these future drafts then. Let me tell you, <laughs> you're going to love it. All right, so round four, Bills don't have a pick in round four in 2019. We move on. Round five, the actual pick, Voshan Joseph, who I had to look up who this was, outside linebacker. Uh, the Bills, the Bills, as you look at their real draft history, have drafted a lot of linebackers, JK. <laughs> They've drafted more linebackers than offensive linemen and wide receivers under Bean's tenure. Well, you know, because you're, you're part of an organization that drafted Luke Keekley. Yeah, I know. So I get you just it. like I get have it. this, you just have, you're like, they can fix everything. Uh, if I have amazing. this one piece, they yeah. can fix the defense completely. I mean, Eber, Eberflus and uh, Eberflus in Chicago is the same way. They have yeah. signed and drafted a ton of linebackers, yep. right? Like a lot of these coaches, they love that position. He, so here's where I double, I do a double dip and I go wide receiver again. You keep in mind, you've got Cole Beasley on the roster, but you know, he, he's now a, a veteran with a skill set that was very, I think, beneficial for Allen at that moment, but you're going to double down in this round and you're going to go Hunter Renfro. Now Renfro, I know had a dip in production this year and his, his stay under McDaniels with the Raiders was a little bit odd. His usage went down, but I think we all remember Hunter Renfro was an absolute beast and reception magnet from 2019 all the way through 2021. It's only in these past couple of years when McDaniels took over the Raiders that his production really dipped off. So I give the Bills a hedge with John Brown by drafting A.J. Brown and some competition in the slot with Hunter Renfro, an elite route runner who is a very, very good catcher of the football, which is something the Bills have really lacked. Jaquan, Jaquan Johnson, the safety pick in round six, here's where I go linebacker for the Bills and I take David Long Jr. And I was shocked because this dude is a, became a quality yeah. starter in the league, right? Yeah, but he was a six-round draft no. pick. So I've got him backing up Matt Milano on the depth chart. Amazing. It's a Fring, just fringe pro bowler. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. elite in the run stopping yep. game, which in that nickel package you really need. So Daryl Johnston Jr. is the pick in round seven. I go Miles Gaskin and I double dip here into running back as well. Because as we have said, after McCoy departs, they really got to restock that room. And Gaskin has had a lot of success catching balls out of the backfield. And then the final pick in 2019 was Tommy Sweeney. I kept it at Tommy Sweeney because, you know, you need a tight end. Yep. I wouldn't have double dipped a tight end in this particular draft, but taking a tight end here in round seven makes sense. All right. And how and how does this, you know, in your imagination, how does this all shake out for the season then? I think A.J. Brown has an absolute monster rookie season still. And I think he gives Josh Allen a safety blanket deep down the field. He immediately starts taking the, the top off defenses because remember in 2019, no one thought Josh could throw the ball with any kind of accuracy. So they were begging, they were begging the Bills to like go deep and take those shots that they thought Allen was going to miss. Brown, similar to the role that Diggs played, was an equalizer deep down the field. You saw it in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill to get a over a thousand yards on just 85 receptions and um, a reception average of 20 yards per reception in his rookie season, absolutely out of his mind, right? So this resets the table at wide receiver. John Brown becomes a cap casualty, and you see Hunter Renfro 
very slowly start to take snaps away from Cole Beasley and assert himself as a very, very cheap rookie contract that can equal the productivity there. And then the defense is really buoyed by Trey White, who still emerges as a star at this time, Matt Milano, who makes a name for himself. Taron Johnson also emerges this season as well. But then on top of that, you've got this depth to the defense you've added, and you've got a young and up-and-coming uh, offensive lineman in McGovern that you can kind of work into your system early on without putting pressure on him to start right away. So this is a table-setting year for the Bills, right? I still have them making the playoffs in my fantasy world. I still have them losing, right? And I have them trying to find a way to find more receptions across the middle of the field as a result of how the season ends for them. Which brings us to, my friend, 2020. Are you ready to move on? I am scintillating. All right. So this is a big one. And I think other than the Docs thing, the Knox thing, this is going to be seen as maybe the second most controversial move, though I think a lot of Bills Mafia would probably at this point support it. So remember, the Buffalo Bills do not have a number one wide receiver for Josh Allen in real life at this point. This is the year they trade a number one draft pick for Stefan Diggs. That ends up being the number 22 draft pick. In my world, A.J. Brown has emerged as the clear young stud number one wide receiver on this group. So the Bills retain that pick in this draft. And they use it at number 22 to draft Justin Jefferson out of LSU. All right, so now here is your pairing, and here's how the wide receiver room is starting to shake out in your top four. You've got A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Cole Beasley, and Hunter Renfro in the slot, and you still have a little bit of a void in like that power slot, middle of the field, tight end type of role, but we'll address that later in the draft. Number two, the Bills, which was their first pick in 2020, take A.J. Epineza. I keep the pick the same, pick Epineza, because when you look at where they were at on the defensive line, they needed youth, they needed pop, they needed pass rush viability there. So I keep Epineza at that point. All right. Round three, this is the Zach Moss deal. Because they drafted two running backs in the year prior with Gaskin and Singletary, I don't have them spending a uh, round three pick here with Moss because it, it would be a bad use of the pick. I have them instead taking Cam Dantzler, who is the highly effective cover corner for Minnesota for so many years at this point. J.J. Dantzler is a guy who you've often targeted for the Bills in, in uh, trade packages. What, yes. is your, what is your take on Dantzler being drafted by the Bills as a rook in 2020? I mean, it would have fixed kind of what we talked about so often with, um, you know, the, the Bills having that like CB2 always being a question mark and always being somebody who is like just good enough. Um, the Dane Jacksons of the world, um, the, uh, you know, it would solve for a lot of things. We the would Levi not, Wallace conundrum. Yeah, the Levi Wallace conundrum. Exactly. Like, is this a player that's good enough? But is, are they good? No, Dancer has an incredible ball skills and also just that, that nose for the football. Dancer reminds me a lot of Russell Douglas in the way that he plays the game. Great it would, comp. Yeah. It would be, it would have es- elevated and escalated kind of the, the Bills' achievement to have Trey White across from Cam Dantzler. And it would have changed some of the variability of not this past season, but the one prior when Trey White was coming back from injury or the one before that when he was down with injury. I think there's a lot more positive outcomes if you have Cam Dantzler out there as a young corner to, you know, take over those sort of CB1 roles when you're you're down your Trey White. Yep, absolutely. 100%. Um, round four, the Bills in 2020 take Gabe Davis. I, I kept the pick here the same. There wasn't anyone at a position of need to me that was better. And Davis added something to this wide receiver room in his size, run blocking ability, 
And then in my fantasy world, his ability to exploit the middle of the field is kind of like a de facto big-bodied pass catcher that I think brought utility and filled a hole here in like a power slot role for the Buffalo Bills. Round five, Jake Fromm, QB out of Georgia, right? He was Georgia, I think. Yeah. Um, kept the pick the same. Again, no one here that was really better for me. Round six, Tyler Bass. I know we're still sore about it, but Tyler Bass, for the most part, has been a really good kicker outside of the season for the Bills. They needed that special teams pop. I keep the pick the same here. Isaiah Hodgins is the wide receiver pick in 2020 in round six. Because I have taken Jefferson and Gabe Davis, I don't triple dip here. I go corner again, and I go at Isaiah Rogers, the undersized but strong and fierce and speedy DB that made the Bills, uh, that made uh, Bills lives fans hell when they would play Indianapolis, which is the team he was ultimately drafted to. So Isaiah Rogers here is interesting, JJ, because he is small in frame, but his speed makes him a viable outside option. And he is an absolute ball hawk. This dude is like a pick every time the ball gets thrown his way. So I take him, excuse me, in addition to Dantzler, and all of a sudden you see how this cornerback room is, is, uh, is kind of detailing out. And then finally, round seven in 2020, Dane Jackson. Um, because we have taken Rodgers and because we have taken um, Dantzler at this point, I go linebacker again. I go inside linebacker this time with Tay Crowder, who is a ultimately productive sort of pro and in the Bills system could be interesting for sure. So JJ, after the Bills have that draft in pocket, we head into the 2020 season. Now, remember in 2020, the Bills and Josh Allen have that weird COVID breakout year. Fans are not necessarily in the stadium, but Josh Allen really ascends. Now he does so with Stefan Diggs being on the roster. This is also the year, remember, that Milano gets hurt. So Milano, I think we only got seven games on him that year, which really, really hurt this uh, Buffalo Bills defense. Flash forward to Fantasyland, where the Buffalo Bills have a duo of Justin Jefferson, who in his rookie season, I just want to remind everybody how much of a baller he was in 2020, 1,400 total yards on 88 receptions for an average reception yardage of 15.9 yards. Longest reception being 71 yards, and he had seven tutties that season. Put next to A.J. Brown, who in his second year with Tennessee in the real world, had over 1,200 yards and 11 receptions on the outside. Uh, J.J., this is, a, this is as dynamic a duo as the Bills have ever had in their history, right? In fantasy land, again. I also have Josh Allen still having his breakout season with these two, winning the MVP. Cole Beasley because of uh, his COVID controversies and his cap number, ultimately gets replaced by Hunter Renfro here. Still trying to stick to reality as much as possible. Milano goes down, so David Long Jr. starts to emerge as a very solid starter in place of him. But it's still not enough for the Bills in the AFC Championship round against the Chiefs. Because they're so vulnerable in the middle of the field, and you've got Cam Dantzler, who had just replaced Levi Wallace in my world, later on in the season, still kind of taking his reps in. Um, the Buffalo Bills will ultimately lose this game in an epic shootout against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship um, in the at the end of the 2020 season. But this is the year. This accelerates the clock on the Bills going all in. Because remember, the Bills really didn't go all in with that Von Miller with that Von Miller signing until after the 13 second game, right? Because of how this draft has fallen, 
and the youth and production they've been able to establish on the roster, they are ready to crack that Super Bowl window wide open in fantasy land, which brings us to 2021. Now, JJ, we will all remember this as the Boogie Basham, Greg Russo double dip. Hold on. I would like to just say for the listeners, this entire long experiment was done to get us to this one moment and what happens in the second round. That is correct. The entire thing. The whole if you've thing. stuck with us this long, yes. you're, it's yes. going to pay off. It's going to pay off. Fantasy yeah. land, Stay tuned. Right? Yeah. So here we go. 2021 draft. Greg Rousseau was the actual pick. And I still have it at Greg Rousseau, right? I mean, the Bills were still looking for edge, pass rush help. He had traits, right? There's guys that were taken in round two that you could argue ended up being more productive. But sticking with the experiment, I stuck with guys solely drafted in that round. Round two, Boogie Basham. I keep Boogie Basham. No, I'm just playing. I don't keep Boogie Boogie Basham at all. It's like, I don't think that's what's written on the script, my friend. (laughs) I don't keep Boogie Basham. Creed Humphrey, which we all know should have been the pick. Yes. And remember, the Buffalo Bills offensive line is laden with veterans, but this is also the season where that offensive line starts to take a step back, right? This is the Ryan Bates year because we just can't figure out the right side of that offensive line. So Creed Humphrey comes into the fold. Spencer Brown, the pick in round three, I keep him as the pick in round three, right? He's become a viable starter. Tommy Doyle, again, God, this draft was so weird. Double dip at edge, double dip at tackle. Tommy Doyle is the pick here. I do not have Tommy Doyle as as the pick here. I've got Talona Hofunga, defensive back. Am I saying that right? He's the dude on San Francisco. He's starting in the Super Bowl this Sunday, right? Fifth round pick. uh, Thank you. Thank you, Talanoa. Um... He's starting in the Super Bowl this this week. He's got a lot of positional versatility in that secondary. And when you look at the Levi Wallace persistence, when you look at how comfortable they got with Poyer and Hyde, they were not thinking to the future in this in, in this particular position group. So I'm changing that up, and I've got Hufunga here as the pick in round five. Marquez Stevenson, absolute flame out at wide receiver, is the real-life pick in round six. I have the Bills trading this pick and Levi Wallace for Zach Ertz because in fantasy land, Cam Dantzler is your guy. You've got Isaiah Rogers. You've got Taron Johnson. You still have Trey White, even though this is going to be his injury season. Levi Wallace becomes expendable. Now, in real life, Zach Ertz went for a five and Tay Gowan, who was the rookie defensive back out of the um, University of Central Florida. I've got the Bills trading a similar amount of trade value with a better player to finally get Josh the tight end that he needs to exploit the middle of the field in the seam and Zach Ertz. DeMar Hamlin is the pick here in real life after Stevenson. This is where I go Tay Gowan. I go back-to-back defensive backs. Tay Gowan charted as a cornerback, but really had a lot of utility coming out of UCF in, the, in uh, various roles in the secondary. So I give McDermott a couple of late round chess pieces. Rashad Wild Goose, the very, uh, very short tenured cornerback out of Wisconsin, round six in 2021. I take Trey Smith, man. And that yeah. offense, I basically uh, steal from the Chiefs everything they use to refortify that <laughs> offensive line, and I give it to our Josh Allen, right? Um, and then Jack Anderson, another offensive tackle, is the pick in round seven. I pick a punter. I pick Presley Harvin third, who is still punting for Pittsburgh these days. And it solidifies the special team punter position. No more Matt Hawk. No more inconsistency with Sam Martin. We just draft a young punter and then we just let him roll with it. So I will say, however, uh, that's that's maybe the only part of this whole experiment that I disagree. 
I think Presley Harvin has been a nice punter. He's been but he's okay. like one of the most volatile punters in the league in terms of like he either cranks it 63 yards inside the 20 or he duffs it 12 yards and they return it for a touchdown. Like it's yeah. really tough. All we we just basically drafted like Corey Borakas or whoever yes. that guy was that we had, right? Yeah, we just, boy, yeah. yeah, there you go. Right, there you go. Yep. So in 2021, we all know what the real result is. It is 13 seconds and it is heartbreaking, but the Bills feel like they've got something that they can build on and they're a few pieces away. So this is the all-in year or next year is the all-in year. I've got the Bills going all in here, man. So remember, in season, this is the year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, and they traded a second and a third in the 2022 draft for Von Miller for the, from the Denver Broncos. I've got the Bills making that move midseason instead of the Rams for the exa exact same draft package. Because in fantasy land, the clock has now turned up, and it's not 2022 that's the all-in year, it's 2021. And as a result of that, Cam Dantzler with another year under his belt, Renfro, Jefferson, and A.J. Brown with two more seasons and with another season under their belt, add the professionalism of Zach Ertz over the middle yep. and the infusion of young talent to solidify the right side of that offensive line with Humphrey and Smith splitting reps at guard. And then you still have Spencer Brown over there as well. J.J., I have Josh Allen winning back-to-back -back MVPs and the Buffalo Bills cruising to a victory over the Kansas City Chiefs because they cannot stop the combo of Von Miller and Jerry Hughes on the edge because Hughes. Jerry Hughes, a revitalized Jerry Hughes, yeah. who had his best seasons when he had a running mate to go with, right? Um, he's got a running mate back. Jerry Hughes is revitalized. We never have the debate about trading or cutting Jerry Hughes on this right. pod. But more importantly, the Bills... Um, cure the curse of the Kansas City Chiefs. They move on to the Super Bowl. And in 2021, JJ, with this roster, the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl. So Hallelujah. I just sweet, you know, just a sweet, sweet ending to this experiment. Sweet, sweet ending to a dream in fantasy land that is not the reality that we live in. I know, but but this is a roster that could have yes, done it. Yes. And then when you think about how it sets the Bills up for so many of their 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 needs. Um, that they had to draft for in 2022. That's the Kyrie Elam year because yep. they hadn't really addressed cornerback in a meaningful way. Dantzler and all of that changes it, right? It really changes the future of this team. So side-by-side, side, reality roster, fantasy redraft. Josh Allen is your QB in both. Devin Singletary is your starting running back in both. Dawson Knox in reality in 2021 versus Zach Ertz in the fantasy Super Bowl year. Diggs in reality, Justin Jefferson is your number one wide receiver. Gabe Davis is your number two wide out. A.J. Brown is your number two wide out. Cole Beasley was there in 2021. It's Hunter Renfro this time. Emmanuel Sanders. You remember Emmanuel Sanders yeah. being on I loved this team? Emmanuel Sanders for I one loved year. It. He was great. I loved him too. The Bills could never figure out how to use him. Yep. You've got Gabe Davis as your number four power slot receiver here. Dawkins is on the offensive line. You have Connor McGovern, though instead of Ike, Ike Botker, who ended up yes. starting meaningful snaps for the Bills that year. Mitch Morris is still your center, but instead of Daryl Williams on the right side guard, you've got Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith splitting snaps. How sweet is that, man? Oh, I like yeah. And then you have your Mitch Morris replacement of the yep. future, which resets the clock on the cap a little bit earlier for the Bills, right. too, because you're not yep. carrying Morris's contract anymore. And then Spencer Brown over on the right-hand side. On defense, 
you had Greg Rousseau and you had Jerry Hughes on the edge. Here you have Von Miller and Jerry Hughes on the edge with Rousseau playing a meaningful situational role. Ed Oliver and Star Latulale are the same on both, right? You got Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, the same on both, but this is the biggest difference, man. Because remember, this was the year that Trey White went down. You were starting Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace in 2021. Here you've got Cam Dantzler, Isaiah Rogers, Taron Johnson, Jordan Poyer, and Micah Hyde. Dude, this is a Super that Bowl defense, roster. Yeah. That defense yeah, is nasty. Well, and, and the defense doesn't even matter when your weapons are Devin Singletary. I mean, who we all agree is a solid starting running back. Zach Ertz, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Hunter Renfro, and then Gabe Davis as your fourth best. Your fourth option. Yes. Basically like, throwing blocks in, for guys. In that reality where then you have Deion Dawkins, who that was his first Pro Bowl year. Correct. Um, Connor McGovern, who is a above average starter. Mitch Morris, of course, an above average center. Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. So I'm if anybody right. gets injured in the interior three, you're covered in every possible combination. And then Spencer Brown, in a, what was that year was a down year for him. But, you know, I mean, I don't hate Trey Smith playing outside snaps at tackle if he had right. to if Spencer Brown's missing games. Or even Ryan Bates, because yeah. Bates is still on the roster at this point too, right? No, oh, God. I hurts. know, man. What could have been? And, yeah. like, that that was the fun but heartbreaking part of this exercise is yes. that these were guys that were drafted after the pick that Bean made. Right. And they were available for this They team. were available. And this could have been the makeup of this roster. Now, it's easy to play hindsight. It's easy to play, like, Monday morning draft room GM and all that other kind of stuff. But, again, I loved going through this exercise because it it purged a lot of bad feelings I had about recent Bill's draft memory so that I could reset my mind for doing draft preview on this pod moving forward. Yep. But, like, man, what could have been? Like, this is how close the Bills have been in this era. And that's a credit to, it's a credit to Bean that they've been mm -hmm. even this close. But, man, just a couple of moves different. And this is a Buffalo Bills team. We could be talking dynasty right now. Let's be real. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the, the whole conversation with this team is it's not about – it's the conversation becomes can – um, Patrick Mahomes get past Josh Allen. I know, right? like that it flips that's the, the whole difference. Thing. Is like, can the Chiefs get back to a Super Bowl and get past the Bills? I know um, the road yeah. to the Super Bowl runs through the Bills with Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown is the like, receiving dynamic duo, dude. It's just, it's crazy. It's fantasy land. Like it obviously didn't happen, but still, really fun exercise to go to in this multiverse of Brandon Bean drafts. So, thank you, JJ, for letting me go through that exercise. Oh, yeah, no. And thank you for everybody listening. Hopefully you got something fun out of that other than like fire Brandon Bean. That is not what we're advocating. <laughs> no, <before. laughs> no, not at all. No, I think. And well, and we'll say too, and we say all the time, teams, the draft is so variable. Like you had the opportunity to look at it and be like, oh, who's the best? With full hindsight, yeah, right? exactly. I'm going to cherry pick the best players that were taken in each round. Um, Brandon Bean hits in terms of starter snaps. He hits at probably 38 to 40 percent in his draft history with the Bills. The average for the league is around 33. Bad teams are about 25. Um, Bean's above Bill, Bella, Bill yeah. Belichick's about 18%. Belichick. Yeah. So on the unemployment um, line. I know. <laughs> so with all that said, like we we are pro Bean in every possible way, and he has he has shown extremely good draft acumen, especially this these past two years. Um, and you know, with occasional starters in other in other years. I think that the thing that we're looking for is like hopefully we have another a third consecutive year with meaningful rookie snaps coming out of the draft at more than two positions. 
And that, Absolutely. If the Bills have that, and that's the thing to, you know, put put some hope out there, Bills Mafia. Um, in the future, if the Bills are able to get two or three meaningful contributors from this draft class at positions of need, we're we're as competitive as any team in the league for the next three to five years. Absolutely. We reset the cap, but we also keep the the Super Bowl window open, right? Yes. And Bean's got the capability to do that. He really does. It was just these three draft classes really kind of set the Bills back, I think, a little bit in the arc they wanted to be on. But I think yep. Bean is the guy that can get us back on track. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, that was fun. That was a that was an awesome pod. Free agency table set. Next up, JJ, we've got Friends of the Pod, not Friends of the Bills, helping to set the table for what other AFC East teams are going to be doing to help dethrone the Buffalo Bills. We're going to have those segments coming up next week and the week following. And then we are going to dig deep into the draft before we take a I think a much needed break post Super Bowl, um, in between the Super Bowl and free agency from potting for a little bit. So we're going to dig into the draft a little bit, set the table there, talk about AFC East stuff, and then, uh, yeah, man, we're full bore into the off season. Sound good? Sounds. Yeah, go ahead. For, yeah, I just want to say, um, you know, because we we look at our analytics every week, and looks like we have some new listeners. Thank you for joining us here on Buffalo Bread, and we appreciate the downloads and likes and. Um, please continue to share the pod wherever you are. Absolutely. We appreciate it. And in case you need a reminder of where we are, we are on Apple, Google, Spotify, pretty much wherever you get the podcasts. And always go Bills. Go Bills.